So now that you've chosen the vanity, paint, and bathroom tile, you still can't decide on the faucet. Let the Home Depot make that easier by saving $10 on the sleek, modern Moen Genta faucet. Right now, it's only 89 bucks. How's that for easy choices? The Moen Genta faucet. Now, just 89 bucks during the winter kitchen and bath event at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Vowed through March 24th, while supplies last. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. And on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 120th, 120th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today's show is going to be intergalactic. God, I should have had the beastie voice playing right now. EJ and I are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It hits the way airwaves, or hits the video waves, or film waves, or cinema waves, or whatever waves that we're catching but I want to let you know that this is going to be a spoiler-filled episode. I'm doing my best to make sure now that, like, hey, spoilers are going to be here because we want to talk about all the goodness of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so if you haven't seen the film, I would probably wait till Monday to listen to our podcast, and I appreciate you checking back. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeySpendingRobots.com. Joining me in the banter is my co-host, movie critic EJ Marino. Sorry, I'm, I'm still, like, singing Intergalactic in my head right now because as soon as you said it, I was just like... Damn it, I love that song so much. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this podcast for multiple reasons. The movie's going to be fun to discuss, um, but I'm also just ready to not discuss it. And then I can put my brain towards like Wonder Woman. So if you guys are definitely waiting for me to talk about a DC movie, like subscribe to this, give us some comments because it's going to get crazy this podcast and later on. I, I You know, like looking at May, we're busy this month. <laughs> like this is a crazy month. This is a crazy month. We have aliens coming up. That's coming up soon. Uh, King Arthur, which I, you I know, know how you, you know how you go in. I, I don't say. I want to say that you go in with a negative attitude. You have the reputation of going into an MCU with a negative attitude. My opinion of that King Arthur movie is so bad right now. Just, well, I don't. I think mine's is probably just as bad as yours. Is I just don't even have an opinion. When they were like, "Oh, it's Monday," and I was just like, "What am I doing Monday? Probably something." Like, I, I thought. Gonna, I thought TM was saying author. And he's like, we have author on Monday. I was like, what? Author. I was like, ooh, this new movie dropping out of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> and then like, I was like, oh, King Arthur. Nope, don't care. I will see Snatched before I see King Arthur, I think. Rosie gave me a King Arthur hat as she walked out on after our screening. And I was like, thank you. She's like, don't <laughs> save it. Just give it to somebody. <laughs> All right. So we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's out. Film is out, and we are going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think I like this format the best for reviewing films because it's not you versus me when it comes to this stuff. It's us kind of just, okay, here's the good stuff, here's the bad stuff, and here's the stuff that I can't comprehend why it's in the film. Yeah, and I think in general, I think with this film, I don't think even if we don't agree on these same things, I think it's not – I think you're kind of not as – 
I don't I don't think you went into this as a, or leaving this as crazy as you would of another film, like the the passion level. And I think we can both be like, yeah, it's fine. Even I don't hate this movie. Same thing with the first one. I will always say this is a well produced film. You know, the, the technical side of this movie is phenomenal. The, the achievements with cinematography, with uh, the visuals are great. I just don't like the movie. And I think you're like, oh, OK, I can, I can respect that. Well, this film is completely different than the first one from from the pacing to the design to probably the budget as well. But also the way it's written in the ending. The ending is kind of a downer. And I, I think that with the last film, you're like, yay, we just defeated everybody. And now we're going to go conquer the rest of the world. And they blast the music and they skate off. They, they fly off. And you're like, woo. Where this one, you're like, oh, Yondu is dead. Wah, wah, wah. I, I, I did like the somber tone. I will say from beginning to end, I started liking the movie more towards the end. And I was just like, oh, this is fun. Oh, this is fun. Oh, that's cool. So at least if, if you're going to make a movie, you're going to at least want people to leave the movie on a better note. For So for me, at least I enjoyed the, the more somber tone. Once again, it goes to me not liking the happy-go-lucky, everything has to be cheery. I thought it was nice. I don't think it was a depressing ending, but I just definitely think it was real. I think the uh, the end the, the salute that happened with the Ravengers. There was some really gorgeous moments that I was like, okay, this isn't horrible. This is just, this is just not the like, oh man, can't wait. So excited kind of leaving. All right. So let's talk about the good stuff. Uh, for me as a comic book fan, there are so many hidden gems in this film. And just with the way ego looked to the original guardians of the galaxy, um, just, and then there was like little, this is where we. Ju I'm just jumping around because it, then it hops into the space jump, which I really liked as well. You could just look around and you were just like, oh, what's going on here? What's going on there? And I wanted that um, nowhere, the celestial head that they were mining. I wanted them to go back to that. But they showed another trashy part of the universe where you, where you got little tidbits of characters here and there. And you got, you got to see Howard the Duck again. I didn't see... Cosmo, he was in the he was in the end credits on a picture of him, and he was like a moving picture. But I wanted to see more Cosmo, so I didn't see Cosmo. But as a comic book fan, I felt like I got a decent comic book movie. Like it was something; it would be something that I'm used to reading, and and that's what I saw, and that's what I got. So the comic book aspect for it, I was super excited about. The space jump was just wonky and crazy. I know you you really enjoyed that. Uh, the space jump. It's the most James Gunn the movie got. It was so kind of cartoony, but kind of gross at the same time. And I think he he's a master of making something gross, but still comical at the same time. And I think that's very hard to do. So it's something James Gunn really added to this. And I will go, you know, to your comic book aspect. I know that's it's kind of a, approaching to a smaller demographic because not everyone who watches these movies are comic book fans or readers or at least past readers. But there's things like I think this felt like I like watching Star Wars movies when they would go to like the cantina and you would see all these random characters. And I think that's what this felt like. It feels like now Guardians is a full on universe uh, with, with now seeing Howard the Duck twice. It I like that aspect and i do think this feels like a comic book or kind of one of those things are like oh look at that one guy i know or oh look at that i think that's a that's a good feeling to have and even as a casual marvel fan as i am i'm like well i got howard the duck i i cheered out loud when i saw him i was hoping he would have a line or at least a small scene but i was just really happy to see him even in passing yeah because in the end credits uh there's a little 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 glimpse of jeff goldblum's character and they had him on the right-hand side. And I don't know if he was moving or not, but 
it's when they were doing the funky dance at the end. But that's one of the reasons why I enjoy going to the MCU movies and the same thing with the DC the DC films is that you your eyes open up so wide to try to pick up as much stuff that you can find in the film and it's like the where's waldo of stuff and it's 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 an added bonus to a film when the film's good to then have you know this easter egg hunt that you're on and i really enjoy watching all those youtube videos where people do the actual easter eggs i always watch those cuz i'm like oh what did i miss did i catch everything and it's it's like a game and that that the game aspect in the cosmic universe for me is awesome cuz i enjoy that universe and you talked about the very minute demographic of comic book fans and then you cut that down like 98% to just the people who like the cosmic. It's like another level of inside joke. So I kind of feel like kind of a part of that universe since I, you know, it's such a small fan base of that like weird quirky shit. But they also allow you uh, as someone who isn't as uh, as like passionate or at least within that small demographic, I don't feel that I got lost with all these references. Even with Batman v Superman, I was just like, dude, if no one knows who Darkseid is, you're not going to know that Omega symbol. So even with this, I was just like, even if you don't know Howard the Duck, you were still like, who the hell is that weird duck guy? And there was moments I, 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 I like that, that it felt you can kind of join into this universe and it was kind of welcoming. And I think that's, what's really happy with this com- cosmic universe. Maybe they'll keep it up with Thor as well as I, I like this more than I like the earth universe far more. And I love the way ego looked when they zoomed out on the planet and you got to see ego. And I was like, <gasps> I thought they, I thought they did. I, I'm going to give this a good aspect. I thought they did a good interpretation of ego of the character with, with, with Kurt Russell being that floating messenger kind of person of ego. Like I thought that was a good interpretation or some sort of balance between being too grandiose as a living planet and then being too minute of just being a powered human. And I think that was probably the best thing within the script that he had to work with was like kind of balancing that. Cause I like that he was basically, basically like a celestial Hitler. He had this like kind of, I'm going to make everything pure aspect. And I was just like, wow, like they did really well. And I think that goes with him also being a planet, but with him being this like small kind of this humanoid ish thing, I think that that was a cool balance in between both. And yeah, seeing the planet when they panned out, I was just like, cause if you Google ego, the living planet, that's the first thing that pops up, not a human. So I was just like, wow, they, they captured that image so beautifully. And even when they were doing him like inside ego and he would kind of show his face at times, I thought that was cool. Uh, you know, there's a lot that I liked with the, the visual side of it. They definitely like hit the fanboy side of it and also hit just really good aesthetics. And then the constructs with like, you were talking about how his face and how he did constructs in the planet. I was, I thought that was cool. Like when they were going through ego's little house, like the constructs looked fake but they also look like stop motiony kind of to me, which it had a different aesthetic than anything else I've seen before. So I was like, I, I don't know if I like it or I enjoy it or I'm not sure, but I, I like it definitely piqued my interest. It was, it's really jarring to see. It's like sometimes when you see, it's how I thought about the de-aging scene of Kurt Russell, if we want to talk about that a little bit when we talk about the visuals. But yeah, I was just like, oh, this looks weird, but I liked it. Yeah, it, it's that weird feeling. I think it's off-putting because we haven't seen it before, but I, I think it stands out. And that's, hey, at least at least we remember it. <laughs> uh, I'm, a Stone, uh, I'm a Stone fan. No, I'm a Stallone fan. 
So anytime he shows up, I was very excited. So I put him in my good category. What else did you have in your good category? Um, I had the that deaths meant something in this movie more so than any Marvel film as well. Like before, there is deaths like left and right in this, and even a major character like dies. I don't know if I. Yeah, I guess I could say because we already said it's spoiler. Like when Yandu dies at the end, it didn't feel like like even with Batman v Superman last year, I didn't see like his particles come together at the end or to almost form Yandu. They just killed him and they gave him a send off, and I was just like awesome. Or when they were kind of making the the Ravagers walk the plank in like that pirate sense when they're all having to like get thrown out to space. I thought that was so beautiful and so terrifying. And yeah, there there was actual like meaning to the things that happened in this film. There was a one death, maybe the the end of Kurt Russell, like in Star Lord's arm. I was just like, I don't, I don't feel any power from this scene, and maybe that's something I didn't like. But all the other deaths, I was so happy because they made up for some of the things I don't think Marvel does well, um, and that's carrying things with weight and more like importance. So I I, I like that a lot. I couldn't believe how many people they killed in this film, and I also had like a moral issue when. When Rocket was just slaughtering people, like he was very excited about slaughtering people. Like when that's Rocket, though, that's what I that's what I think Rocket and Yondu are. Yeah, but they're supposed to be heroes. I see. I don't. Well, Yondu especially is not. Right. Rocket is Rocket's a weird gray area with that, but he's not the nicest, and that's kind of a thing in the movie. Is no, I, that's not... it's my it's my personal issue mm-hmm. with it. I mean, I was, but I'm just like, okay, we're starting to move into the hero territory of saving the world, but like, Rocket still really enjoys killing people a lot, and because it was kind of funny when he was trying to blow up the the gold people. What are the gold people's names again? Crazy, gold? Uh, the Sovereign. The Sovereign. Like he's also he's like, I'm going to kill some people, and then he's like, they're all fake. He's like, oh, like he was very upset that they wasn't actually killing people. But that Yandu scene where Yandu gets revenge and kills all the Ravengers and then and Rocket's like and, happy but about it. Rocket, he's happy. And then he's looking at the camera too, shooting him as they're coming up to the room. And he's like, ha 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 ha. And they such like, an awesome scene. It's no visually, visually, it's amazing because they showed the like the bullet hole go through the door and then you see it go through the guy. Uh, but going back, because I, I don't want to forget about it, but going back to your where they walk the plank scene where they kill one of the Ravengers. You're like, oh my God, they're killing one of the Ravengers. And then he floats out to space, and then the way it's framed, and then you see exactly how many they've killed, and he's just the latest. And I was like, oh my God, they're slaughtering everyone. And then Yandu and Rocket slaughter the rest. I mean, like, I don't know how many Ravengers were there, but there was only Sean Gunn's character and Yandu at the end of it. Yeah, and there's even more like within that scene. There's more like just when, <laughs> like, uh, when Groot cuts off someone's toe, and Rocket basically has to look at Yondu and was just like, "You don't happen to have just toes laying around?" Yondu's like, "No," and he's like, "So we're not talking about that." Even Groot just like basically ripped off a toe, and yeah, this movie's definitely it does teeter like a moral ground but that's that sean gun humor or the james gun humor that i really really enjoy is he's he's gross and he's offensive and he's weird and every time he would do something like that they would just like be like no 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 disney's like no please <laughs> we, we reel you back in we weren't on set that day i don't like that I, I noticed i'm looking at our list um none of us or neither one of us had put garut anywhere on the list what did we what did we think about garut 
he wasn't there. I had multiple feelings about him going in as much as I like Groot and Rocket's relationship. I want that spinoff still. I still love them. Um, I he wasn't really like a like a non-factor in there. He was fun. He was cute. But it, thankfully, he wasn't an obvious like buy me. Look how cute I am. But he wasn't a main character. So it, it, he's a very odd spot in this that I think I thought I was expecting more. And he was he was there, but not as an important there. Yeah, I'm, I put him in my I'm going to put him in my bad character category because I feel like he was shelved and he was there, but like, I think the shelving comes with them. They just made him so dumb. Like, and I know he's baby or a toddler or whatever age he is supposed to be, but yeah, I definitely think that's what hurt him is just being as dumb as he is. It it meant for good gags. Like when he's constantly bringing back something to rock Yondu and they're like, it's this big, not a desk group. Like, come on. I think that was cute. And then there was moments, but him being stupid and just a giant child, just, it really didn't help like his character be as awesome as I think the first group was. And I, I also felt like the whole talking about characters being shelved is, is uh star Lord being on this mission to figure out his father. Like I felt like he was shelved for half the movie. Like he just doesn't, isn't there. Oh, well, I mean, I was happy about that because as soon as he was on screen, it was just his whole story was just so like cliche, like my dad's back and he gets like he just ignores everything that's happening. And it was such such a cliche. Everything was Star Lord in this. I was just glad he was kind of shelved because what they were offering with him, I don't I didn't enjoy. Like, I know he got abducted at eight, but did he need to act like an eight year old the whole movie? That's my problem. It was just like, oh, but we'll get into the bad later. I have one more good. Okay, that's the Ravengers. I just I want more of them. I wanted a whole spinoff of them. I loved all the stuff with Groot, Rocket, Yondu. Even Nebula kind of was joining the the group for a second. I was just like, um, she's a better leader than most of the people here. Better than Taserface. Can she run the ship? And I thought she killed Yondu like right away. I was like, Ugh. oh, I was I was kind of pissed too because I was like, oh my, because they did that in the Belko experiment. Michael Rooker dies like ten minutes in, and I was just like. Oh, he was one of the reasons I was seeing this movie. And I was just like, did we kill off Michael Rooker again? And I was like, okay, cool. He's not dead. Yay. Because I thought that whole thing was his life. Like, I was just like, oh, what did we do? I know. I had that kind of just blew me away. I was like, oh. Like, I, you I, know, I, I'll even throw Nebula in my good, too. Because things like that, I was just like, well, damn, we just made Nebula like public enemy number one. Good job. Even though I just I like her a lot. I think Karen Gillian does so good with her. And I, I love when she does those bone breaking scenes and has to like put herself back together. What a great character. I, I like that. I like her arc now that she's like, I don't want to join the Guardians. I'm just going to find Thanos and kill him. Will they do the storyline where she gets the gauntlet? That would be awesome and crazy. But who knows? I just love her transformation because they look completely different. There is no resembling factor to each, you know, the actual actor to Nebula. Like, it's just a brilliant transformation. Yeah, I and I really, really enjoy that. And I think that's, as, especially as a beautiful as Woman's is, I think sometimes in the industry, because you saw that a lot with Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique and X-Men, she hated not looking like herself and she hated all that makeup. Karen's just like, I'll do it. I love it. I have fun. And I really, really, really respect that and i yeah i love her i love that she was with the ravengers i love sean gunn my new man crush for this year i i was telling somebody until i see how dirty aquaman looks right now his character is my man crush of the year because he was so awesome and so funny i i enjoyed him i thought it was i don't know I just, 
you this kind of starts leading into the bad and ugly and stuff. And I, he ended up being part of the jokes, and some of the jokes weren't that good and stuff like that. But let's let's uh let's go to the bad. The bad is like I started to talk about Groot. I felt like he was shelved. I thought that Star Lord was shelved due to the plot. I'm trying to think of who else I felt like. And I thought. Gamora, other than one cool scene where she did fight Nebula in kind of that like rock tunnel, she just played the girlfriend. They 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 did what they did to Padme, and I was just like, ooh, I liked Padme in that like that first prequel. And then I was just like, do not make her the girlfriend, like just sad pregnant chick in the rest of these movies. And I just feel that I just she didn't feel as cool to me in that. And the same thing with Drax. Drax was cool, and I think Drax maybe came out the most since everyone else was shelved. But, yeah, I, I think the original Guardians got shelved a lot for characters like Yondu and Mantis and Ego. And Drax, I, I feel like the character of Drax, like the angry, brooding, like the crazy the crazy warrior got shelved, and this comedic guy showed up instead. Yeah, and I think Batista wanted that on his resume to see, like, look, I can be funny because, you know, I, I laughed at some of his jokes. Um, Some of them were the cringy, like, the dick joke he make, and I was just like, oh, my God, you literally referenced a penis. Oh, God. And then everyone, and then it just kept going. I was like, Kurt Russell, we're better than this. <laughs> Please don't talk about your junk. And I was just like, uh. So, yeah, some of his jokes were bad, but I do I liked his relationship with Mantis, Um, and I like that it – he had the only family drama I liked where he was just like, I, I, I still have love for my wife and she was murdered, but I kind of have a crush on Mantis, but I'm not going to. It was so kindergarten where he was just like, you're ugly. And I was just like, oh, like, <laughs> you're so cute, Drax. Like, just keep calling her ugly, which I, goes again to me having bad taste. I thought Mantis was kind of cute. I would have dated Mantis. Well, the, the actress is she's a beautiful she's a beautiful actress. No, Mantis. I, I, oh, I Mantis. Cute. <laughs> I thought Mantis was cute. Because I would just I love that character and she was a good addition. I I had at first I was just like, ooh, are we doing subservient Asian female stereotype? I was not happy about that. But then she started kind of expanding and became a character. Yes, we were doing that. We were totally doing that. I know, and I was just like, oh, this is cringy. Oh boy, oh boy. And then they called her a pet, and I was just like, oh man, (laughs) I'm more offended by this than whitewashing. (laughs) Like that was that was cringy. Uh, and then they kept picking on Rocket the whole time. I'm trying to think of who else was shelved. Oh, we talked about Drax being shelved. We talked about Groot being shelved because they made him a kid. Rocket was going through his inner angst of pushing everybody away. But I also, like, I, I wanted the diabolical, like, planner. Like, that's what he is. He's like a master manipulator of all the situations. And, like, the first film, he was always scrambling to build stuff. And I know you don't want to repeat the first film. But I still felt like his the char- the character aspects of these characters were shelved. Yeah, the the things that you fell in love with were gone, and I think some of the things that they replaced it with were okay because I liked some of Rocket's things. But I, every time they would see him be diabolical, we would kind of catch the tail end of it. He'll be like, "Oh yeah, flip that switch," and it would already be like, "Oh, that bomb was already set." Like it was a lot of like, "Well, you already know he's like that," so there you go. And then my other bad, and this is me like rewriting the film I had is they explained the emotion in the film instead of letting letting the audience experience the emotion to where it, it, like the example is uh star lord talks about his dad not being there and not being able to like play catch with him and he talked about how he told his friends that david hasselhoff was his father and what i would have preferred 
is if we got a flashback where you showed they showed us him getting picked on for being having not having a dad and then him telling his friends like oh Hasselhoff is my dad and then then making fun of him like and going on with that and so that's where I would have went if I was making this film I didn't I didn't like all the talking about it I wanted them to show me yeah that that was something that it was kind of like yeah we could have done more flashbacks they love to show the 80s at the beginning of these films with one and two they both have a good 80s set flashback and then I'm like, you know, we could flashback more in a movie. I'm not saying the movie should be filled with them because sometimes it becomes like a crutch where we're just explaining things in the past and not explaining things in the present and not doing present moments. But that was a moment that I would have been like, you, we have the actor still. He was there. That little boy, Star-Lord's still there. We we could have had him in it. So I was, I was a little upset with that. I definitely think we could have – there was moments even with um, – the, the whole Gamora, like, Star-Lord relationship, Mantis, like, her whole joke was to literally explain the emotion instead of letting us experience. And I was just like, wow, we even put a character in that does this. Jeez. And maybe that happens when you have to, like, make a movie for a younger demographic. And sometimes it's not going to always resonate with them with, you know, with the 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 example and the metaphorical side of it and having to physically explain it helps. But yeah, for anyone above the age of 13, we're like, you know, that would have been nice to see the eighties again. My brain just exploded because like, how awesome would it have been to see young Gamora and her sister battle it out in front of Thanos? Wow. Like that would have been like, that goes with the, the, like the James Gunn of like, that's, dark and gross and i don't want to see these two little kids fight and yeah that would have been awesome once again flashbacks would have worked and even seeing when drax was talking about his wife and he was explaining how some of these fountains remind her of his planet and i would like oh so we're gonna flashback to his planet oh no he's just explaining the flashback that we could be seeing at the moment damn it drax like yeah there was a lot that i'm like like you said with nebula and gamora and i'm like wow thanos made y'all do that that's gross like i hate that show me though Right, because they showed that stuff in, in the the remember the accountant, where Ben, little Ben Affleck and his brother are just beating the shit out of each other in front of the instructor, and they're like, just keep it going. And I was like, oh, kids beating up kids, this is the best. Yeah, because you could have definitely had a character tell Thanos, they'd be like, they're done, and he's just like, yeah, they're done when I say they're done, and I and and I know James Gunn has literally publicly said he does not like the character, but with Thanos being a main villain in a film next year. He should have been in it more than casual conversation. Maybe like a just a flashback like that to kind of put his face in front of audiences again. Because when's the last time we saw him? 2014. Yeah. Oh, Age of Ultron, maybe. Age of Ultron. I'm just saying there's just there's been a a gap with seeing him and mentioning him is cool, but if they didn't mention him, there would have been no like progression towards Infinity War in this. And one of the bad parts of this film is that they go to Ego, the planet. And I feel like they're just on it forever. And it like stalls the film. The flashbacks would have cut up that time. And you would have had a different visual in your head. And things would have paced differently. But instead you just have this long. I feel like the last two thirds of the film are all ego. Like on that planet. And it for me that's where it started to just drag. And we're like oh the, the battle is still going to be on ego. And it's like we're not, we're not going anywhere. You know and it just kind of stalled the film for me. 
I, I definitely agree that I like that they went into different parts of Ego where you got to see like the inner core and then there was that cave cavern with all the bodies. There there was there was layers to the planet that we got to see, but I was just like, oh, okay, cool, we're still here. That's why I was very happy and maybe that's why me having the Ravager scene felt so refreshing because I was just like, well, I like whatever this pirate spaceship's going on right now. Like that's fun and that's different and I'm getting a break from – the episode of Dr. Phil on Ego, like it was, it was a little much then. That's why, like you said, flashbacks even would have helped. Were you so beat up by the jokes by the time that David Hasselhoff showed up to not enjoy it? Oh, well, if he would have, no matter what, it, I just, that was something I didn't need. And it just kept going with, I didn't need the giant Pac-Man thing at the end. And there was a lot of things that I'm like, my God, that reminded me of Pixels. Like, I don't ever want to think about Pixels, so don't remind me of that movie. And it was just like, there was just so many things that I'm like, wow, this script is just filled with like jokes about like genitals, poop, and 80s references. And it was, it's just, yeah, I definitely did not need that Hasselhoff scene. And the family guy, I think, does it better. I, yeah, and I think that's I think that you know that's a really good comparison. This was really Family Guy kind of humor, and like it, I almost felt like it was like, oh, here's a cutaway to Star Lord as Pac Man, and I was just like, oh shit, we did that for real. That was a that was a thing in this movie. I, I did start. I did start. I mean, when it started out, I liked when they started con- making constructs and then having the the earth, the the planet build on them, and they were beating each other up with rock fists and stuff like that. I was like, ooh, because it kind of like had like a super scroll aspect to them. And then when he made like the giant Kurt Russell rock, and then I was like, oh, like, what is he, what is, what is Star-Lord going to make? And I was like, oh, he is eight years old. Like he is, they just, like you talked about him being an eight-year-old and it just kind of continued with it. And I was like, uh, is this better or worse than the dance-off at the end of the film? I, it's like, I was hoping, I was like, well, they can't, do something crazier than like crazy cheesier than the dance off. And I was like, ah, alas, James Gunn. Thank <laughs> do you. not you... tempt James Gunn with a challenge. <laughs> it's yeah. I need to stop putting these thoughts into the universe where he was just like, Oh, did y'all need to roll your eyes more? Don't worry. I have more eye rolling for you. I right, see. So you talked about the deaths having weight in the, in the good part. But one of my bad parts is that Drax is like, indestructible bouncing through the trees as the as their rocket ship crashes i was like can we stop with this see i didn't know if that's something that he is just indestructible and i i didn't really mind that because i don't know much about the history of his character but i was just like oh he's just like a big solid dude who doesn't get hurt i was just like kind of eh about that um i thought that would have been funny to see something like that happen with star lord to kind of continue the two second plot that he was like an immortal, and then it's like, haha, that's not there anymore. So yeah, maybe seeing something like that happen to Star Lord would have been like, oh, haha, it's that stupid comical thing of watching them bounce around like pinball. But it would have also progressed the story of Chris Pratt being this like being that doesn't die. And th- now that we're in the bad, I'll say that if we're gonna take away uh, Star Lord's celestial power, we're gonna do that before Infinity War, <laughs> before the one time that would have been really, really helpful in a battle. Other than Star Lord's cool guns, we're gonna take away his like powers. I mean, I, I can I can write back his pa- I can write in his powers in like two seconds. I mean, because they yeah. just they just blew up the planet. He just needs a piece of that planet, like the light, the little light part of it, and be like, oh look, I have energy now. I know it was just something that I was just like once again, since I know that the what the schedule for this films look like, I'm just like, okay, cool that. 
that really, really, really helped you in this battle with this being that's probably going to laugh at you and flick you away and kill you. Oh, boy. Being a celestial would have been awesome. But the Drax being indestructible part leads into the space jump. And when it first started, I was annoyed. I was like, oh, here's a cartoon element. Here's another cartoon element. I don't want a cartoon. I want a film. But the space jump continued forever and it won me over by the end. But like in the beginning, I was like, oh, we're doing the plastic faces that are expanding and contracting and going all crazy. And I was like, oh, but you're also giving me some cool shit in the space jump. So that was kind of like a balance of like the cartoon moment, cartoon moment. I was like, what is the next cartoon moment? You know, you had the Pac-Man thing at the end. But I mean, like, so those were the elements that I wasn't a fan of. And now it is time for the ugly, because as much as I love Guardians of the Galaxy as a comic book fan, as looking at it as a piece of cinema, there were things that annoyed the fuck out of me. Yeah, there was some, uh, it, and it honestly boils down to the script, and I don't, I don't usually knock James Gunn scripts. I like like from uh, his trauma work. He did this movie called Tromeo and Juliet. I love it. He wrote uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. He did the Belko experiment. Even the first Guardians didn't have this bad of a script. I don't know what happened and I don't know if there was Kevin Feige behind him the whole time being like but there's not enough jokes about poop in this. Like I think the kids I, would I like think, that. I think, I think it's the other way around is that there wasn't enough Kevin Feige like directing the ship. Well, I'm never for anyone directing any of these ships. I hate the fact that he does it with all the films. So that's why I was just like, there's really hardcore elements of James Gunn in the script. And I just felt like they had to get undercut with something a little bit more tolerable and marketable because they were too scared to make too much of an art or film because they've never made a film that feels so distinct to the person. Almost this one. This was really this felt more James Gunn than Guardians of the Galaxy One. Like I said, with the 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 crazy plasticky face scenes and a lot of the deaths, and there was there was a little bit of not gore, but there was some gross stuff, like when Groot cut off somebody's toe and the little eyeball thing. And I was just like, oh, these are James Gunn elements. Like with Slither, I got it. But then I was just like, I just felt like there was somebody there being like, but there's not enough Disney Marvel in this. Oh, see, for me, I we've been talking that we've had this MCU universe that's going on and it's building up and it keeps building up. And that's been kind of the complaints of like all you guys are doing is building up to the next film, to the next film, to the next film, to the next film. And this was the first like standalone film that we've had in a while. And I was like, this should be good. And now in hindsight, I'm like, I wish this was building up to Avengers Infinity War because I think it would have directed the plot a little bit more. And it can, and I think when you, when you have like an outline of where you need to be and then you wrap it in James Gunn, I think that is better for James Gunn. It would have been better for him, but I, I just, I guess in any other film, if this would have come out earlier, I wouldn't have minded how singular and how just kind of isolated it was. Cause I really enjoy that. I'm glad there wasn't, in, in the in the context of I'm glad there wasn't a lot of shoehorning because sometimes I'm like like with the uh, with Doctor Strange last year we had to reference the Avengers helping the the physical world but we helped the magic world I maybe a reference like that would have helped but yeah th since this is coming out the year before their biggest film ever I'm really I was really thinking that was a weird decision normally I would have been like cool 
make this so far away from the MCU, I would have loved it more. But I'm like thinking about this in like an actual like cinematic universe building way. We missed out on them. Like an entire project, we could have hyped other projects. And he, they were even talking about a little like Gamora was talking about like Earth a few times, and and she, and he's like, Starla's like, oh, that's where my mom died. I'm never going back. Like if they even at the end of the film were like, yeah, we got to go back to Earth because we got to see what Ego did to the planet. And so at least they pointed into the direction of getting into the Avengers film. Like I, I don't know, there was just something. And then we're this is all plot things. Like I feel like the plot was written around the musical choices. Like I feel like he picked the music first. And he's like, okay, I want to make this cool scene with this music. I want to make this cool scene with that piece of music. And by the end, I just wasn't happy with it. every time a song started playing. I was like, oh, please stop. Yeah, I think that's becoming tiresome within Hollywood. It, it He definitely did it in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. It happened last year with Suicide Squad, where every character basically had to have their motivations explained in a song. And I was just like, oh, boy. And that's kind of what they did here. And I think this is – it's not really working with comic book films, and I don't know why we need to keep doing these, like – pop culture soundtrack heavy films that's why i think i really enjoy some of the aspects of batman v superman because you have hans zimmer and junkie xl i really wish these films focused on score more because i cannot tell you one piece of score tyler bates did in his film cannot tell you any moment of like oh wow that score was good and i i'm more of a score person than a soundtrack person um and you know in a movie like fast and the furious that is so poppy and so kind of cartoony and that that aspect i don't mind those those soundtrack songs but in a movie like this a, a score balanced out with your soundtrack would have helped with the first film it was a plot point was the music you know he had the he had the walkman and this was his personal attachment to his mom so it makes sense and then at the end he gets another tape and you're like okay i get it but it it wasn't a plot point it was just the music wasn't a plot point the way it was in the first film. And I think the first film works. And then the same thing with like Fast and Furious, you have a tape deck or you have an iTunes player. So like you hop in the car and you press play and then you're like driving through like, and that even works because you're, it's part of the film. It helps motivate it. Right. There, there's a connection and to whereas the reason why I really like the opening scene of this film where they kind of like talk about, you know, Garut, or, uh, Garut and Rocket are building a boombox, and they're like, why do you want this? And they're like, well, Star Wars really likes music. And he's like, what, we're fighting a big giant? Like, they make fun of the fact that the music was in there, and then they add the music, and I was like, oh, this is good. And then they just revert back to just having the music and everything. Yeah, that was the best use of music in there. Even if they would have done at the end when they're kind of battling and there's a big song at the end, I think it's Fleetwood Mac at the end. Um, I can't remember exactly what song, but I was just like, it would have been cool if they would have done something like Star Trek Beyond where they had to play the music to kind of distract Ego and maybe the loud music would have kind of disrupted his, his planet. I would have been like, oh, that would have been cool. Once again, we're motivating it within the film, but we're also using it as kind of a, a way to make the 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 scene better so yeah that would have been something like oh cool loud music kind of throw off ego what yeah this is us trying to rewrite the film but that that's something the music would have at least felt like you said like the beginning it would at least would have felt organic agreed what did you give an overall rating on this film i i i don't know i've been kind of moving away from overall ratings i feel like sometimes it limits me so hard of like i have to give it something God, you hate the man keeping you down you're like i'm well, busting out of this box 
Well, and especially with a film like this is because, like I said, I don't hate the film and it's not a it's not a poorly made film. So if I give it a personal rating, God, this is like a five out of ten. Like I don't like it at all. But then it's hard because the the, the quality of film is not a five out of ten. It's it's a solid made piece. And that's this is something I fought so hard with Guardian or with Batman v Superman last year. It's like you don't like the film, that's fine. But is it a bad movie? That that's my debate. And that's with this. It's like I don't want to say this is a five out of ten. And then it's like, is that really what the movie is? So, you know, it's a good 7 out of 10. Look, that's me trying to, like, the balance it. Like, it's my feelings of it. And then, like, with the overall film, it's a good 7 out of 10. See, what you did right there is you had, like, an internal debate with yourself that, like, Uh-oh. is all about the – I mean, we all have internal debates. I mean, and, and, and some of us are cocky enough to stand in front of a mic and talk about it. <laughs> No, but I, I definitely think it's a big – it's a struggle I, I think people should have with rating. I think we kind of just throw ratings on, and I had to think about it. It's, I don't want to like – especially with the, the, the Marvel fan bases, I just don't want to throw a label on, and it's just been like, oh, he's trying to say it's bad to troll us. And it's like, no, I, I'm just trying to explain why I don't like it because I want critics to explain themselves more. So, yeah, that's my side. Let's me stop talking. What's your rating? Well, I even said that myself. As a, as a comic book fan, I love the film. It gave me everything that I wanted from a comic book. Flipping through the book, I I can see that static page where, you know, he transforms into Pac-Man. And I can see that working in a comic book. Being like, oh, shit, he made Pac-Man. You know, because in my my head, I'm not going to hear the wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah. I'm not going to add the Pac-Man music in. I'm just going to be like, oh, it's Pac-Man, and then move on in, like, it's just a little bit. Uh, So as a comic book fan... I loved it. I, you know, it expands the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. Um, you you get so many different Easter eggs going on there. I, you're, I'm always a fan of Rocket Raccoon and Groot. And I think that, you know, Baby Groot, which I was kind of worried about, and because that's another sequel flaw, Baby in the second film, that they even gave you. You know, I, I love those characters. So I liked it as a comic book fan. But as a, as a, as a piece of cinema... There, there are flaws in it, and I would have done things differently. I would have, you know, and so if Marvel would love to give me like two hundred million dollars to make a film, I will gladly make you my version of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Man, yeah, your Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume Three would be great. Now that you already know, you get to work with Adam Warlock. Yeah, yeah, I think you should maybe start trying to <laughs> throw it a treatment. Maybe James gonna steal it from you and like it. Oh, and we got to remember from our last podcast, uh, Vin Diesel. If you're listening, can you please make Thundercats? Oh yeah, we have to like remind you every time <laughs> you get like brought up. Like yeah, do Thundercats. Like come on, come on, Vin Diesel, do it. <laughs> uh, we have aliens next week too, don't we? On Tuesday. Yes, because I'm. Oh no, Wednesday I think because Tuesday is snatched with Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn, which you know, kind of cute. Real quick, Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell having back to back like movies. I thought that was kind of like aw, but uh, yeah. So aliens is next week. I'm glad we're not talking about King Arthur because I. Well, Did I don't we know. I don't. I don't like, know what the embargo is for for alien the aliens movie. So we might have to actually wait a week to talk about it. We will pick something out of obscurity. I don't know if I. Dewey was just like you might like Gar- you might like King Arthur. There's a lot of slow motion. I'm like I like Zack Snyder slow motion. Do not get slow motion and me confused, Dewey. But no, I, I'm curious of that more because maybe we should just watch it so we can have a really fun bashing of it. I don't know. I kind of want to. I'm intrigued by Snatch. I am too, like, because I, I, I don't hate Trainwreck, and I think when Amy Schumer has a good supporting cast, and this has, uh, I think, like, Benjamin Bratz in it, I think this this has a decent cast, and we'll see. Maybe it'd be fun trash. 
And I love Goldie Hawn. Like, I, this is like her return of like, just, I, I bet you Amy Schumer was like, listen, fucktards, we're getting Goldie Hawn to be my mom. And they're like, no, she's too old. He's like, fucktards. Like, we're going back to what I just said. I like fucktards because that's exactly the word Amy Schumer used in right. her like production meeting with whatever studio it was. No, I like Amy Schumer and I have the same exact usage of words. And that's why I like her. I just, she's just over the top sometimes, but I still, I'm very upset that she fell out of the Barbie movie. Like I thought that had potential. That was going to be like the funniest, worst thing ever, but like a good parody. I was kind of there for that. I don't hate Amy. And yeah, maybe we should do Snatch next week because it'll be funny. Like I said, Goldie Hawn, and she's doing craziness in this. She looks insane and good props for her. And they have me at the 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 brother like calling the FBI. And he's like, I need a special. And he like rattles off the, the theme intro of the A-Team. And I was like, <laughs> 80s reference, another 80s reference. And I was like, oh, this has potential. But I, I, it's this is one of those films that we already know going in. The third act is going to be horrible. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And um, that's why at least we're going in with an idea. So yeah, that that might be fun. At least maybe the the listeners actually might like us discussing a non nerd movie for once. Hi, EJ. You have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Hey, Matt. We survived another episode. Oh no. Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host EJ is also on Twitter at EJ Christ with a K. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. Check it out. That's our home. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate our review of our show on iTunes. We have seven reviews of the show on iTunes. If we could get to eight, that would be amazing. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 120th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Special shout out to my co-host, EJ Marino. I wish I could do that voice you just did, but I can't. Uh, awesome episode. Thank you for putting up with me, not always loving these movies. And we had a, we had a, fair, we had a fair contest this one. And I love how you were so, you're like, listen, dude, uh, if you're going to lecture me or yell at me, I don't want to do the podcast. I was just letting you know I was scared. I'm still, I have like PTSD from Star Wars, like celebration podcast. I'm forever going to be scared every time your voice raises. (laughs) And I, you know, I read a good article. This is me just expanding this. I read a good article about how Generation X is going to fix the workplace. And so I read a positive, because it was like, Everybody's focused on baby boomers and millennials and Gen X is getting left behind, like forgotten. And they're like, but Gen X is going to be the ones that fix everything because the boomers are going to leave and somebody's going to have to fix it. Yeah. So look at that little toot toot your own horn. I know. I got got a little Gen X article. It's like, yay me. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey's Friend Robot logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? The staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots. With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. 
Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Up to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.